Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Okay, great. So, uh, this is our last evening service for the year. Can you guys imagine how quickly this year went past? And I just really want to encourage you guys, you know, as we've seen throughout holiday seasons, on wherever in life we, we become a little bit passive and isolated, we, we tend to fall off the apple cart. And obviously there's grace and there's compassion for that when we return to God and He forgives and you know, the people that we surround ourselves with, they pull us in again and we run the race with endurance. But let's not set ourselves up for failure. You know, we read a story about King David when the kings went out toward David stayed in Jerusalem. And from there on, it went downwards, isolated, passive, and chaos enters into David's life. So as we go through this holiday season and as we go through this time, let's ensure that we don't become passive and we don't become isolated, but we surround ourselves with godly men and women that keep us accountable. And then we still press into God and what he has called us to do. Wherever we go, do what God has called you to do. Do it there. Wherever we go on vacation or away this year, and it seems like you know the evening service is a bit more vacation days. Obviously not you guys because you yeah, but the rest of, of the people, the morning service, they're also still stuck. You know, most of them are still here. So you can, you know, join in together with them. But wherever you go, there will be a family of Christ. You know, isn't that a wonderful thought? Wherever you go in this world, there will be believers that call upon the name of Christ, that have taken up their cross, denied themselves and follow Jesus. And wherever you go, you will feel at home when you are with those people. So join in with the fellowship and join in the, with the holiday program. There's also a lot of congregations in town that won't be closing their services throughout the December period. Go and join the services of the fellow believers in this town. Go and worship with them. Go and encourage with them. Go and pray with them. But let's join together with the people that are still serving God in this time and do not become isolated and passive. But before I say too much about isolation and passivity, let me pray. And then speak a little bit about prayer tonight. Yes, Lord, thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Father, that it's a joy, Lord, to worship you, to lift up your name, Lord. And tonight, Lord, even as we go through this sermon, Father, may hearts shift, Lord, from duty to devotion, Lord. From the strain of discipline that we many times place upon ourselves to belonging, Father, that was there in the beginning. Lord, I simply long to be with you. That is why I do what I do. To be with Christ, my Savior. And Lord, come and reveal to us, Father, where we've become critical, Lord, negative, Father, where we have inherited this slave mentality, Lord, of pleasing you, Father, in viewing you, Lord, as this God that has these demands, and that is why I do what I do, instead of a loving God that laid down his life for me so that I can be with him, and I long to be with him. That is why I do what I do. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are working in hearts, Lord, continuously revealing the Father and the Son. We have received the Spirit of God that we might freely know the things given us by God. May we surrender to you tonight, Lord. Come and have your way. Your kingdom come, Lord. You will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. So our title for tonight is A Prayer of David. Since the end of the year, the... The capacity for creating, you know, uh, cool content is, is, is over. The title is just a prayer of David. And what we're going to look at is a prayer of David. 
Next, next year we'll come up with a couple of fancy sermon titles again, but a prayer of David. And then as we've been working through prayer this last while, something that God has really pressed on our hearts. So encouraging for me to enter this season as well with prayer and to really go and sit at the feet of Christ and to lift up his name, to press into God, to wait upon him. So that he can reveal to us what he has called us to do and to actively pray into that as we go through the season. And as we've been focusing on prayer, something that just came to mind again was spiritual disciplines. And now we have sometimes a little bit of a distorted view when it comes to certain spiritual disciplines. Now as followers of Christ, being disciples, we are called to be disciplined ones as we follow God. But many times that word discipline gets a little bit of a negative connotation and we start following Christ out of duty instead of devotion. And if I could rebrand it, maybe call it spiritual devotions. As this longing, we do what we do because we long to be with Christ and nothing less. You see, many times when it comes to spiritual devotions, we see it as this burden that just rests on us and something that I have to go and do because I'm following God now. You know, this is what he expects of me. And if I don't check these boxes, then God's not going to be pleased with me and his favor is not going to be with me throughout the day. So I have to go and read my Bible. I have to go and pray. I have to come to church. I have to. And the moment we view it like that, it's a physical thing and it drains us. Man, I have to go and do this thing. And all of the delight is gone and the expectation to meet with Christ has left. It's not there anymore. And then we grow in none of them. You know. So that's the one line. The other lies that certain Christians were called to really excel in certain spiritual disciplines. Have you heard that one before? And so the thing is, there is certain devotions that come more natural to us. I mean, as you're sitting here and you're thinking about reading the word, spending time in prayer, meeting together at fellowship, fasting, praying, praying, worship, all of those spiritual disciplines, evangelism, spiritual discipline, stuff that Christ has called us to do. And some of them come more natural than others. Being still spiritual discipline comes naturally to me. Spending time in the world comes naturally, but I actively have to grow in prayer and be intentional about it. It doesn't come that natural. Fasting doesn't come that natural. I always think, you know, there's some people that fast often and for the, the food that they don't eat, someone has to be there to eat that food. I mean, I'll carry that burden. If you fast, I'll eat for you. I'll do my part. But it doesn't come that naturally. And sometimes we've believed that, you know, there's certain Christians called for certain things. Man, and they have to grow in that. Like scripture, there's certain people, man, they, they just have the capacity to understand the word of God and to grow in it. I'm just called to gauge over it. Not to really take it in, not really study, just because I have to, at least. A verse a day keeps the devil away, something like that. But this isn't quite how it works. When it comes to prayer... The intercessors, you know, who's, who's heard that term before. And there's special intercessor training for special intercessor people that are they really called to pray. I'm just called to do it a little bit, maybe for my food. Because it's also part of the devotions, but I'm not called to grow in that. Certain people are called to grow in that, but not me. I'm just here to do it a little bit, to check the box. Because that's what God expects of me. You see, but God is calling us to grow in every single devotion. Why? Because the expectation should be, as I grow, I grow closer to Christ. I do what I do because I long to be with Him. Like David prays in Psalm 27 verse 4, One thing I've asked of the Lord, one thing do I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord, to gaze upon His beauty in His temple, to inquire of God. I simply want to be with Him. 
That is why I do what I do. And that is why I long to grow in each and every area of the spiritual disciplines. That's why I see them together, not as separate boxes. Because I want to be close to Christ. That is why I do what I do. And again, to ask us the question, why do we do what we do? Why did you come here tonight? Why are you here? Was it routine? This is what we normally do Sundays. That's why I'm here. We normally come to church. We know that that's what God expects of us. Some of us leaders in the church, you know, God expects of us to lead well, to take care of the flock, to set an example. Why are you here? Was there a burning expectation? I'm going to meet with Christ. I'm going to meet with Jesus. I'm going to have a bigger revelation of who he is. And I'm going to walk out of here with a tangible experience of God. As I allow the Holy Spirit to come and move and to come and work. That is why I'm here. And that is why I'll wake up tomorrow morning. That is why I'll pick up my Bible. And that is why I'll go down on my knees. To be with Christ. Why do you do what you do? And we're going to consider here now a prayer of David. And as we gauge through a lot of prayers of David through the Psalms and through 1 and 2 Samuel. A lot of things been said about David's life and a lot of things that we can learn from him. This man after God's own heart. As God himself said, David is a man after my own heart. I found a man after my own heart. And what we can learn from him in this prayer. And last week we learned a little bit about when the you know, army arises, when the battle comes. The prayer and the waiting on God and the stillness before the word of God comes. But now there's something that happened in David's life and it's how he prays after God responds. But there's a lot of things that we can learn from this small prayer in David's life. As he responds to God. Something about his heart. A little bit of vision for the mind. And then also about enduring and being faithful in prayer. So let's read together. It's a passage of scripture in 2 Samuel 7. And the context of it is... David has peace, there's no wars waging, there's no one attacking Jerusalem. He has done what God has called him to do. He's defeated the enemies in front of them. And he's in peace in Jerusalem. And as he reflects on the goodness of God and what God has done in his life, he realizes, here I sit in this big palace. And the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, where we meet with God, where God stays, if you can call it that, is a tent. I want to build God a house. I want to build a temple for God because here I sit in the palace and God's house is a tent, the tent of the tabernacle that moved with the Israelites from the wilderness to the promised land. And Nathan responds and he takes the word of God to David and said, listen here, God says, because you desire to do this, I'll build you a house. And your generation will sit on the throne of Israel forever and from you will come a dynasty of kings that will last until eternity. And from the line of David, Jesus comes and rules over the nations forever. And it's in light of this news that David responds and prays the following prayer. 2 Samuel 7 from verse 18 to 29. And it says, Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and prayed, Who am I, O sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And now, sovereign Lord, in addition to everything else, you speak of giving your servant a lasting dynasty. Do you deal with everyone this way, O sovereign Lord? What more can I say to you? You know what your servant is really like sovereign lord because you promise and according to your will you have done all these great things and you have made them known to your servant how great you are O sovereign lord there is none like you we've never even heard of another god like you what other nation on earth is like your people israel what other nation O god have you redeemed from slavery 
to be your own people. You made great name for yourself when you redeemed your people from Egypt. You performed awesome miracles and drove out the nations and gods that stood in their way. You made Israel your very own people forever, and you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord God, I am your servant. Do as you have promised concerning me and my family. Confirm it as a promise that will last forever. And may your name be honored forever so that everyone will say the Lord of heaven's armies is God over Israel. And may the house of your servant David continue before you forever. O Lord of heaven's armies, God of Israel, I've been bold enough to pray this prayer to you because you have revealed all this to your servant saying, I will build a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For you, O God, O sovereign Lord, your words are truth. And you have promised these good things to your servant, and now may it please you to bless the house of your servant, so that it might continue before you forever. For you have spoken, and when you grant a blessing to your servant, O sovereign Lord, it is an eternal blessing. What a wonderful prayer. And two things we note here immediately from the prayer of David is even when this important blessing comes, you know, I mean, that's quite a statement made here by God about what he will do for David. David doesn't allow the things that God is going to bless him with or call him to, to consume his thoughts. You see, many times we allow good things from God to consume us totally, and it's the only thing we pray for, and it's the only thing we focus on. And all of a sudden, God takes a backseat because look at this thing that God has called us to. And so many godly things, many good things, becomes idle in our lives because we allow them to totally consume our every thought. Our every prayer is about this thing. It's the only thing we focus on. And it consumes us. Not so David. Even in light of this, he still has a bit of a balanced prayer life. Exalting the name of God. God's glory is still the main focus. God's faithfulness is still mentioned. And then he says, and also do this, Lord, because you have promised. You've revealed this. That's why I pray this. And then secondly, in one of the great things that we should note, specifically in the culture that we live in, there is no such thing as claim it and it's yours. David says, because you said, that's why I pray. Because you say, that's why I pray. Because you reveal, that's why I'm praying this. You can't just go and claim stuff in prayer. It's not how it works. And there's something in us is like, oh, that sucks. But another part of you must be glad as well. Why? Because there's people that don't like you. And if it worked that way, they could go just claim some disaster over your life and add enough faith and wow. <laughs> Disaster strikes. Thank God it doesn't work that way. Man, if people could claim stuff in prayer, and if they really wanted it enough or really believed enough, man, this world would be even more in chaos. Just imagine your family. You don't even have to extend it to second of the world. Man, but if we got what we prayed sometimes, how devastating and destructive this world would be. It doesn't work that way. You can't just claim it. it doesn't matter how much faith you had. Yes, Jesus says if you pray and truly believe, you will receive. But scripture interprets scripture. And we have to apply that context of what Jesus says to the other passages about what prayer is about. And when God answers prayers and why we pray. It needs to find itself in that context of prayer. But before we get to any of that and the confirmation of the word of God, it starts with the heart position. And for us here tonight, if we want to grow in intimacy with God, if we want to grow in our relationship with God, if the following is not there, then we won't grow an inch. We will grow nowhere. The only place we'll grow is deception, maybe. 
So it starts here in verse 18, and David says the following. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and prayed, Who am I? Who am I, O sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you've brought me this far? Isaiah 66 verse 2 says the following, But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. You see, because something we have to realize here about David, this is David that killed Goliath. This is David that killed the bear and the lion in the secret place. This is David that won many military victories for Israel, that has reclaimed territory for Israel, that has obeyed God, that stands out as this magnificent king of Israel. Psalms written, songs sung, that are part of scripture today. This is that David. And David doesn't say, and the temptation is there for us as humans. Oh man, yes, this makes sense. If I were to pick someone that God would bring this lasting dynasty of kings, I'd also pick me. I mean, look how faithful I was. I killed Goliath. I killed the bear and the lion. I won all these military victories. I've been faithful unto God. I'm this great king. But David doesn't say that. In light of all of the great things he's accomplished, David still replies, Who am I, O Lord? Even that you've brought me this far. It was your goodness and your grace with me that even allowed me to accomplish those things in the first place. Now you want to give me more, Lord. Who am I? What is my family? See, it's not primarily because what David wanted to do, but his heart towards God. You see, Isaiah 66 verse 1 starts with God saying, The heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you will build for me? My hands have made all these things. The heavens of heavens can't contain me. It's not about building a house, God says, but this is the one to whom I will look, the one who's humble and contrite in spirit. You see, why David did what he did is because he had the heart towards God. David wanted to build God a house because he was occupied with God himself. He longed to praise God himself. You see, many times we see the fruit and we want to do something and think God's going to respond the same. Hey, I see God wanted to build David a house because David wanted to build God a house. I also want to build God a house now. No, the desire is not quite the same. And it's like having the heart of a giver in Scripture. God says that he, he loves and cherishes a generous giver. And to the one who gives, he will give back more. Now, now I want to give. The desire is not quite the same. Not quite there. The heart needs to be there. The humility, the contriteness. And in light of that, we see the goodness of God. You see, it's in light of that humility, in light of that transparency that David has, that the greatness and the glory of God is just more magnified. The more I realize how I don't make it and I don't measure up. You see, in light of this, viewing the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, and we stand here forgiven, sons and daughters of the Most High God, the appropriate response is, Lord, who am I? Who are we, Lord? The world is lost, yes, yet you chose us. Yet we can stand here, lift up your name. Who are we, Lord? And what are our families that you've brought us this far? By the grace of God alone, we stand forgiven. But who am I, Lord? You see, this humility comes from a transparency before God. Because scripture says, 1 John 1 verse 8, that we all have sin. And the one who says he doesn't have sin deceives himself. And the truth is not in him. But we all fall short. We all don't make it. We all should say, who am I? And in light of that transparency before God, it leads to humility. 
You see, David says in verse 20, it's not on the board right now. But he prays then, he says, what more can I say, Lord? You know what your servant is really like. You know the thoughts I think. You know my sins, Lord. You know my shortcomings. You know the desires that I have that I should not have. You know them. And the nation might see this great king, Lord, but you know. You know my shortcomings, Lord. And you know by your grace alone I do what I do. You see, the depth of our relationship with God will be determined by transparency before God. Transparency determines the depth of a relationship. With everybody around you, and the same is true for God. And the world has teaches us to, to pretend. And rightly so in certain places, you know, it's, it's such a contrast many times when we are here at church and you confess your sins, your shortcomings and your failures. We rejoice together and we pray together because God is going to deliver, heal, set free and redeem. And we rejoice because we have the heart of Christ. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. And we encourage it. But when you get to work on Monday, it's not quite the same. Because there if you say you made a mistake, you might blow up Sussel. And it's not that... You know, oh look anymore. You're actually expected to do what you've been called to do. And even in light of that with social media, many times there's no transparency. You have relationship with made up people. And we are many times those made up people. Because there's no transparency. There's no humility. And you see the thing with earthly relationships, there should be attentional uh, transparency from both sides, but not so with God. We are the only determining factor because he's already revealed himself to us through his word. We read in 1 Corinthians 2 from verse 10, it says, Nobody knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of a man that is in him. So nobody knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. For the spirit of God searches everything, even the deep things of God. And we did not receive the spirit of this world, but the spirit of God, that we might freely know the things given us by God. Jesus says to his disciples, I no longer call you servants but friends because everything the Father has given me I've revealed to you. I've revealed myself fully. God is fully revealed through Jesus Christ. He's given us his word and he's poured out his spirit in us. He does not hold back. But we are now the determining factor. And sometimes I wonder, why do we pretend before God? He knows. You see, if... We find ourselves pretending before God, then we have to conclude that we don't actually know who God is. Because we can't pretend before Him. He knows. And if I try to, to pretend before Him, I'm, I'm not quite grasping the fact that He's almighty, He's omniscient, He's omnipresent, He's everywhere. He knows already. And you see, the reason why we pray and pour our hearts out before God is not to inform God, but it's for our benefit. Philippians 4.13 says, pray about everything. Make your request known to God. And what's the result? Not that it would necessarily be answered or granted, but that we would receive the peace of God. That God's our hearts and minds. That's what we will receive as we go to God. The reason we pour out our hearts before Him. That takes us to point number one. Humility and transparency leads to intimacy. Humility and transparency leads to intimacy. And I have to ask ourselves tonight, how intimate is your relationship with God? How does the conversations look that you have with God? Is there more intimate things? Are you more transparent with people around you than you are with God? 
And many times it's because we have the wrong definition of what prayer is supposed to be. Sometimes we don't even have that as a, you know, idea of, of what to pray for. And I don't pray for that things. Prayer is mainly a to-do list that I inform God of. Lord, you need to do this. This needs to happen. This needs to be blessed. This needs to be healed, covered, and sanctified. But not my heart. I don't reveal that to God. And the guy that led uh, my wife and myself to Christ, Landon, he set an example in prayer. You know, I remembered. At a time I was worried when he began to pray because we also needed to do stuff that day. We didn't know when we were going to break free of all this praying. But he used to start and say, you know, Lord, I woke up this morning, went to boil the kettle for some coffee, and there wasn't water in the Lord, and I was somewhere irritated already. And I'm like, what's this guy doing? He's praying, he's having a conversation with his father. He's speaking to God. He's building relationships. He's being transparent. Lord, this is how I feel. I pour my heart out before you. You see, in this place of humility and transparency, that's where we need to pray. Psalm 139. Search me, O God. Now my thoughts. Taste me, God. Now my heart. Show me if there's any grievous ways in me and lead me in the path of everlasting. Come and show me, Lord. I'm, I'm humble before you. I'm transparent before you. You see, many times people will say, no, you need to go neutral before God if you want to pray about certain things. That's almost every time impossible. In transparency, we don't try to be neutral before God, but we try to be aware of what influences us. Lord, I know what my desires are that I shouldn't have, the, sh the thoughts that I shouldn't think, the things I believe that I know I shouldn't, Lord, but these are the things. I know what influences me. Now, if I can take the example, if, if I go and pray and ask God that if I could marry my wife or not, if I can do that neutrally, then I shouldn't marry her. If I can go and say, Lord, I want to marry this girl, and if you say yes or no, it doesn't really matter. Don't, don't marry that girl then. It's just, just a by-the-way statement. But if I go to God and, Lord, everything in me wants to marry this girl, Lord, I desire this with everything in me. I am aware, Lord, of what influences me, of what my desires are. But now I'm transparent before you, Lord. Speak to me, Father. If he differs, give me the grace to obey. That's a little bit different. Oh, Lord, I really want to move there. I really want this job. I really want to do that. I'm aware of the things that influence me. I may not be neutral, but I am transparent. Now, Lord, come and speak to me. Remember a while back I was at a school speaking, uh, at a prayer gathering for the children, closing off, and I asked them the question, is it okay to pray? And ask God to kill our enemies. And like a resounding one-man voice, they answered no. I said, but David prayed that. David prayed that. David asked Psalm 3 verse 7, Lord, strike my enemies on the cheek, break their teeth. If you want to be a little bit short, go and read Psalm 109 tonight. This is the same man's prayer that we just read. And you think to yourself as you read through that psalm, man, how can... Is it, is it allowed to pray this? This is, this is not right. How on earth is this even in here? David literally playing that, you know, a man's children would become widows and orphans. You know, his, his, his wife widowed and his children orphaned. And that they would walk around and that no one would feed them. It's like, what? And whether it's right or wrong, in line with God's will or not, that's not... The important issue in this psalm, but it's David pouring out his heart before God. And say, Lord, I know that I shouldn't feel this way, but I, I do. It doesn't help pretending before you. This is how I feel. Do I know I shouldn't feel this way? Yes. 
So I know God is not going to literally kill my enemies. Yes. But this is still how I feel. I know I shouldn't feel this way. No, I shouldn't believe this, these things, but I do. I'm transparent before you, Lord. Humility and transparency. Necessary for us to have that if we want to hear from God. Because if we are not transparent, we are not aware of the things that influence us. And if we are not humble, we are primarily deaf towards certain things that God wants to say. Now, if I use the example of, of our marriage, if me and Robin, if we have a fight, I go to God and I'm not entering with humility, then I'm assuming from the start that the problem lies with my wife because I'm a godly man. I mean, I bless my wife. She's happy to be married to me, man. And I go to God with that attitude and say, Lord, tell Robin what, what she's doing wrong. Convict the Lord. She must repent. And I'm deaf to the things. Instead of entering with humility and asking God, Lord, show me first, Lord. What am I doing wrong? Where do I need to repent? Where am I selfish? What do I need to lay down, Lord? Otherwise, we are putting that ear word clap up on square. We are putting headphones on and we've already decided the track that we want to listen to. We say, here we are, God speaking. We press play. Hearing what we've already decided. We want to hear. We see it's at that place where we wait upon God to speak. And then the word of God comes, you know, like it says here to David, so beautifully. Verse 19 and verse 21. And we read, Now, O sovereign Lord, in addition to everything else, you speak of giving your servant a lasting dynasty. God speaks. One of the words for Jesus is the word of God. He's the God who speaks. He's the God who leads. In verse 21, because of your promise and according to your will, you've done all these great things and you've made them known to your servant. God makes it known. And we live in a different dispensation where Jesus Christ has sacrificed himself on a cross and the spirit has been poured out. And we can hear from God. And Jesus came in John 10 and he says in verse 3 and 4, my sheep hear my voice. And they come to me and after I've led out all of my own, I go before them to lead them out and they follow me because they know my voice. They won't follow a stranger because they don't know the voice of strangers. My sheep follow me, I speak, I lead. Romans 8, all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. If you don't have the Spirit, you're not a son. But God desires to lead us and to guide us in life. He wants to make His will known to us. He wants you to experience where he's leading you and what he's saying about the things in your own life. And when those things come, then we can claim them in prayer. Anything other than that would be unfaithfulness, unbelief. But when God speaks, we are commanded to obey, believe and pray into that. Because God has spoken. What he's revealed through his word and what he reveals to us as individuals. You see, it's normally here where we start to box God in a little bit. We box God in about what he wants to say to us and how he wants to say it. Who's been here and said the following words? No, God will never use me to do that. No, God will never use me in that way. No, God will never send me there. I'll never be a missionary. I'll never lead a missions team. I'll never go on missions. I'll never be a small group believer. I'll never preach. I'll never be able to go and share the gospel at work and lead someone to Christ. If you've ever had any of those thoughts or spoken any of those words, that is a box that you've placed God in. Break that box down and throw it away. Allow God to be God. But don't you dictate what He won't or will not or cannot call you to do. 
what He wants you to do, He'll do that through you. He'll do that through you. The calling of God is a fearful thing in Scripture. Nobody likes it when it comes. Don't think the things that you primarily like, that's what God's going to do. When He called Moses, Moses said, no, thank you. Sent Aaron. Aaron went and he also wasn't really pleased. But here we go nonetheless. When he appeared to Isaiah, he thought he was going to die. When he called Jeremiah, he said he was too young. When he called Peter, he said, no, I'm a sinful man, Lord, depart from me. When he called Paul, he showed him the things that he was going to suffer for his name. Nowhere in scripture does God appear to someone and they say, yes, I've been waiting for this. This is just the calling for me. And there they go. No, no, no. Don't box God in. Break that down, throw it away. And for some of us that's been in the charismatic movement a little bit too long maybe, maybe you've even heard the following saying, that's not the way God speaks to me. So now we've even boxed the way in that God wants to speak to us. I hear what you're saying, but normally God gives me a dream, so I'll just wait for that. Don't do that. Yes, many times he speaks to certain individuals in certain ways, but don't box God in. Allow him to speak to you. And allow the, the, the fellowship of the saints to give confirmation to that. One of the beautiful pictures in Acts 13, it's Paul and Barnabas returning from a missionary journey to Jerusalem. And they were in the church there in Antioch. And it says, as they were praying and worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. But it doesn't say to whom he spoke. It's as if the whole congregation just knew. The Holy Spirit said something, set apart these men because I'm going to send them now. But allow the fellowship of the saints, the people of God to surround you and to confirm the things that God has spoken over you and called you to. Each and everything that God has called me and my wife to, the people have confirmed. Each and every time. And without us proclaiming that and asking people to pray with us and whatever, you're supposed to be surrounded with people that pray for you in any case. Hopefully you don't need to ask them the whole time. But they will confirm what God has called you to do. You see, the only box that there is that we can place God in is the box He Himself made. And that is the Word of God. But He will never speak something contrary to what's written in His Word. Amen. Needs to be heard these days. Man, people come up with funny ideas. But God will not contradict himself. He has given us his word. And his word is flawless and perfect. And it will stay that way for all of eternity. And the better we know the written word of God, the better we will experience the leading of the Spirit in our lives. Because we know what God is busy doing. And my life will align and fit into that. To do what God has called us to do. You see, David writes here in... And he speaks the following in verse 27. And he says, I've been bold enough to pray this prayer to you because you've revealed all this to your servant. That's why I pray this. That's why I say, Lord, do this. Because you have revealed it to your servant. A specific word for David's life. But then also in general, David says, For you are God, O sovereign Lord, and your words are truth. Everything that God speaks is truth. We can pray into that. We can align our prayers with that because what God has spoken is truth. Everything he has said in David's life and everything he will say. Written in scripture and it is truth. And we need to do both those things proactively into the things that we feel God is calling us to but also the things that he's already revealed in his word. You see when we combine the word of God with prayer, man, stuff starts to happen. Then start Stuff starts to shift. Like David says, I've been bold enough because you've revealed this, Lord. When everything is revealed to us in his word, we can take that and pray into that. 
first pray it for ourselves and then pray it out to others. A lot of things that we see, as you read through Ephesians 5, married couples, pray that for yourself and for your wife. I see there, Lord, I'm supposed to lay down my life for my wife as Jesus did for the church. Lord, give me grace. That is difficult. I know I'm a sinful man, Lord, and I know I have selfish desires. And you've called me here to a great thing. Lord, give me grace. Allow me to be what you've called me to be. Extend grace for my wife, Lord, as we try and imitate and resemble this beautiful relationship between God and His church. There's a lot of praise prayed in Scripture. One of the favorite ones for me is Ephesians 3, from verse 14 to 21. It's Paul praying for the church. And then he says, For this reason I bow my knee before our Father that is in heaven, according to whom every family on heaven and on earth is named. This is the reason I bow my knee. This is why I pray. Paul is giving us a hint here. And he says, According to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened in your inner being through his Spirit, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That we being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all of the saints the love of God that surpasses knowledge that we might be filled with the fullness of God. And then I pray that, Lord, thank you that you have granted me according to the riches of your glory to be strengthened through your spirit that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith. Now give me the strength, Lord, as I'm being rooted and grounded in love to understand your love, Lord, the height, the length, the length and the depth so that I might be filled with the fullness. And as I pray for myself and I drive to church or a small group comes or I go to town to minister, I pray, Lord, grant people to be strengthened with your spirit that as I proclaim the message of the gospel, Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. I pray for my small group, Lord, that they might comprehend with all of us the love of God, that we might be filled with the fullness of Christ. And I have confidence when I pray because it's revealed in God's word. This is what God wants to do. See, they never pray to one another for physical things, but also always for a revelation of who God is, for spiritual strength, and for the lost to be saved, and for the message of the gospel to be proclaimed. And then I take that to heart, and I proclaim that in my prayer life. You see, it says the following in 1 John 5, verse 14. It says, and this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And there's a place where we go and lay down our hearts but out of line with this world. He says, Lord, these are the things I believe that I know I shouldn't, but come and align my heart with your will, Lord. You see, prayer doesn't change the heart and the will of God. Prayer changes the heart and the will of man, that it might align with the purposes of Christ. As I spend time in humility and transparency before God, He aligns my heart with this. And as we pray, mighty things happen. It takes us to point number two. Or five, I'm just kidding, it's just three. Let the word of God shape our prayers. Let the word of God shape our prayers. And you see, it's here where endurance is needed. Look what Ephesians 6 verse 17 to 18 says. Beautiful explanation of also the word of God in our prayer lives. It says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What is the sword of the spirit? It is the word of God. And then do what? Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Praying at all times in the Spirit. You see, praying in the Spirit is not just praying in tongues. It's praying in the will and the Word of God, through the leading of the Spirit. Paul is not saying if you pray with your Bible in your hand, then you'll be more effective. 
not saying take the sword of the Spirit and now pray. Pray in the will and the word of God. Pray those pages of scripture that you hold in your hand. Allow God to lead you because then it is effective. Because God hears us because it's according to his will. And when should we pray? Pray at all times. The New Living Translation says on every occasion. At all times. You see this is also why we box God in. Our quiet times. Lord I have between 6 and 7. Please speak to me. Man if we do that we don't know who God is. Man we don't know. I have this little time. Lord Monday intercession. Speak to me Lord. But I'm busy the rest of the week. No, no, no. See, people with a revelation of who God is, says, not Lord, here's an hour, please speak to me, but here's my life, Lord. Speak when you want and speak whatever you want and give me grace to obey. But at all times, as I'm going to work, as I arrive at work, as I'm going to the meeting, as the meeting's finished, as I drive home, as I go pick up my kids, as I place them in bed, at all times, I pray. And as I'm constantly in prayer, God speaks. And as God speaks, I obey. A life of prayer. At all times. Like it says here in verse 5, pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. And then after that it says, do not grieve the spirit, do not despise prophecies. Test what is good and hold on to it. Test everything and hold on to what is good. Again, one of the most misused verses in the Bible, again in the context of prayer. Prayer without ceasing, do not grieve the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test everything, hold fast to what is good. What happened here after worship? It's people stirred by the spirit to come and give words, words of prophecy, words of encouragement. What is our work? Do not grieve the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test them and hold on to what is good. As people shared here tonight, to test what they said in light of scripture and where it aligns to hold fast to that and to pray without ceasing. There's a beautiful quote by Smith Wigglesworth that sums it up well for me. Let's continue to pray. It says the following, I don't often spend more than a half an hour in prayer at one time, but I never go more than a half an hour without praying. I don't often spend more than a half an hour in prayer at one time, but I never go more than a half an hour without praying. And obviously it doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray long prayers. It just means that we should be constant in prayer. Always pray. Always waiting upon God to speak. That takes us to the last point. Pray without ceasing. And it's here where we have to wait. It's here where we, God speaks as we pray about anything. You know, and for some of us, I remember a story a while back. I got a video actually more than a, a while back. It was 2016 around but it's about a guy and how he learned to pray. And he said he was a young theological student and he arrived at his farm after the first year. And his mom says, there's little African pastor at your cottage, Pietras Pudipa. And he goes to his cottage and the man's there and he says to him, what are we going to do? Are we going to discuss theology? Are we going to speak about God? And Pietro says to him, no, we're going to speak to God. And he gets on his knees and he starts to pray. And he says, as he starts to pray, he thought to himself, wow, I've never heard these intimate words. He was speaking in northern Sutu and he could understand what he was saying and he says he didn't watch long he also got on his knees and he started to pray and he says it felt like five minutes but they were busy an hour and a half and Pietro stood up and he told him there's little mountain on your farm and we go there sometimes 40 days sometimes 20 days sometimes 7 days 
And we wait upon God. And he asks, what do you take with you? He says, a canister of water and our Bibles. And we wait upon God. And he walked out. And he thought, surely I'll never see this man again. And a week went past, and as he was studying the word of God by candlelight, he heard a knock on his window, and he opened up the curtains, and he saw nothing. Because it was a dark night. Only when he spoke, he saw his teeth. And Pietro said, come, we're going to pray. And as he was following him to this little mountain, and he thought to himself, how do you spend a night in prayer? What do you say to God? How do you keep yourself busy? What, what do you do? And he turned to Pietros and he said, Pietros, how do you spend a night in prayer? He says, and I'll never forget it. Pietros turned around and he said to him, you have a problem. And he said, what is it? He said, you are in a hurry and God is not. You are in a hurry and God is not. He hasn't forgotten about anything. He's not in a rush. He's not in a hurry. Be still and wait upon God. Spend time in prayer. Rest in his presence. Allow him to speak and guide. But God is not in a hurry. And tonight some of us might, might, may have to stand up tonight and say, Lord, I have a restless heart. I am in a hurry. Come and teach me and give me grace so that I can be still and wait upon you. Let's stand tonight and pray together. Yes, Lord, thank you, Father, that we can be here tonight, Lord, and close off the year, Lord, with this thought, Father, of prayer, Lord, and just being with you, Father. And as we go through this time, Lord, one of those interesting seasons of the year, Lord, with the whole world, Father, in one of another way, we'll mention Jesus in some way, we'll sing a song, Father, in some way, distantly removed Lord busy with the traditions of men and in light of that Lord may we be a people for the fixed on you with a desire and a longing Lord to be with you may the things that we do Lord be because we long to be with you not to please you Father not to show you how mighty or good we are Lord but in response to the grace you've given to sinful men and women Lord knowing that we don't measure up and left to our own devices, Lord, we fall short again and again. We choose sin again and again. And we break down and we distort the image of God in us again and again. But by the grace of God, Lord, we can be what you've called us to be. By your empowering presence, Lord, by your work in us, Father. Every single good thing that produces from our life, that is the grace of God. That is the grace of God, Lord. And tonight, Lord, I pray, Father, that you just again reveal to us standing here, Lord, that there's not a, a select few individuals that you've called, Lord, for specific things, and that you reveal yourself to, Father, and that they can experience the leading of the Spirit, Lord, and some can't. Now, Lord, who are we? And what is our families, Lord? You desire, Father, to do a mighty work through all of us. Ephesians 2.10 there's been works prepared beforehand in Christ Jesus that we might walk in them. And Lord, tonight may reveal again afresh, Lord, to everyone here, what are those works, Lord? What you've called us to do. And as we hear your voice, Lord, may you give us grace to obey. And to pray into that, Lord, and to walk in obedience. 
If you are here tonight and there's certain things that you've boxed God in and said, no, he'll never do this or he'll never send you there or he'll never use you in this way or he'll never speak in that way. Just there we are. I want you to repent of that before God. Say, Lord, I am sorry for boxing you in, Lord. I break these boxes down and I throw them away. Speak, Lord, your servant listening. Just there we are. Repent of those things before God. If you are here tonight and you are in a hurry, you can't sit and just be still before God. Just repent of that before God and ask Him to give you the grace to be still and wait upon Him. And if you are here tonight and you have rushed past God, you can't even know when last you were still, when last you waited, when last you lifted up His name just to lift up His name. And you want to say, Lord, tonight I am returning to You. I'm returning to the place of worship, Lord. I just simply want to be with you. If that is you, just there where you stand, lift up your voice to God. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice on the cross and for your example, Lord, in all of life. Thank you, Lord, that you have revealed yourself fully to us. Jesus Christ, the exact imprint of the nature of the Father, the Word made flesh, Holy Spirit, that you lead us and guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name, Amen.